We've hit the half hour point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yep. CJ goes, guys, we've been talking about stuff for half an hour. We need to start the show. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number Noinsig Noinsig. Someone out there just cringed. Oh. How uh, many luft balloons do we have? Ninety-nine <laughs> red balloons go by. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name's Cedar Trader, and with me, as always, we got Just Dunks. Hi, this is Just Dunks, and I have ninety-nine red balloons. And with me right now, you can't see it, but they're here. I believe you. And no, you don't. Brian Proleman. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Hey, hey, guys. How do you guys? Oh, wait. Oh my gosh. I... Oh, hold on, hold on, guys. I'm really, I'm really sorry. I need to, I need to get this. You're hold making on. fun of me. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Who's this? Oh, hey Zordon, what's up? Is Rita attacking? What what's the big problem? What's the big emergency? Oh, oh, um no no no. Your address it it always looks uh unset. So just just type it in. How do you know if it's good? Um I I don't know. When did when did you move? No. Look, did you did you read Andy's post about what to do? Come on, man. It's been on Twitter, Facebook, email, the forums. How many places do we need to post this? For you to be able to get this information, don't you live in a computer? Well, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm am sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I I don't want to be the pink ranger. No, why do I have to be the pink ranger? If I have to choose, I want to be the black ranger. That's that's cool, right? He break dances at the beginning. Well, of course Tommy wouldn't complain. He's the white ranger. That sounds cool, the white ranger. Well, if it's not a big deal, why don't I just I'll swap with him? Okay, because we can just swap. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Calm down, calm down. No, no, no. I don't want to find out what happened to Alphas 1 through 4. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, uh, bye. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, sorry about that. CJ, uh, you can just cut all that out, right? Yeah, no problem. Okay. What the hell? <laughs> what? <laughs> my, so my that just message, happened. My text message ringtone, right? What's that? You know that noise is my text message ringtone. <laughs> is it? Yeah. What? So when you started doing it, it was driving me crazy. I was like, I know I put my phone on vibrate. <laughs> and I pulled out my phone. That's why I thought you were making fun of me at first for oh. like having that happen every once in a while. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That was a long way to go for Morph. Mighty They're Morph. They're that series, right? Uh, I think they already have. Yeah. There was a thing at Comic-Con about it. But anyway, wow, that was a yes. really that was possibly the deepest you've ever gone for a joke for the that show. That was so deep. I, oh my god. To be clear, we didn't know he was going to do that. No one knew he was going to do that. He's like, I got a gag at the beginning of the show. Usually when he says that, he's like, I got two sentences, right? Like, no, no. I've actually got like a little script in front of me, I so I'm getting you the points. I was like, I was like, how am I going to close this out? How am I going to close this out? I was like, wait a minute. Wasn't that stupid robot named Alpha 5? Whatever <laughs> happened to Alpha's 1 through... Ah, there we go. And for the record, Tommy has been a Power Ranger more than any other Ranger, so he has been the Black Ranger before. He was the Green Ranger, White Ranger, Black Ranger, and the Red Ranger. Dude, are you a Vorthos for everything? Yeah, everything I've ever liked. <laughs> well, I, I, I realize, but but that was also a, a slightly modified version of the... the the reservoir dog scene where okay you know, now it's all falling into place yes okay, okay. wow so let's talk about where, where work, steve, huh? steve buscemi was like why do i gotta be mr pink now i get it i was like i was like kimberly was always my favorite like i was no, the she, podcast she and now we can tell you what the topic is apparently <laughs> <laughs> so what is the topic? what are we talking about why'd i go through that ordeal well, you know what changes the topic <laughs> what yeah. it's yep. 
copy of Vex. Let's talk again. about suspend today. Yeah, suspend. <laughs> because Zordon is kept in that suspension chamber thing, whatever that is. <laughs> All right, we're talking about Morph because Morph is going to be in Khan's of Tarkir, um, as well as each clan having its own mechanic. Morph is a show in itself, so we figured we'd go ahead and knock it out now before the show comes out. And also, thankfully, Matt Tabak has said that there are not going to be any significant changes to Morph between now and when Cons comes out. So, so the, the rules the rules aren't changing is is what he said. So I guess maybe the 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 costs maybe they might do something weird with the costs or something like that. Yeah. For the first set. Watch, but he says that, and now it's gonna like we're gonna be like, oh, it's it's not changing except there, you know, it goes on the stack now or something like that. Or, like, or or it it works with convoke or something like that. You know. God. Yeah. All right. So so what is so morph is is one of these mechanics that that rules nerds just love. It works with convoke today. I know, but oh. he would make it. He it's something something weird where you can like tap it to help things. Like you can tap. You to can help. probably tap like a morph cost with convoke. That would be cool. Yeah. Hmm. No. Anyway. We've become so, a speculation cat. Yes. So, so it's so basically, morph is it's going to be big in cons of, cons, cons of Tarkir, <laughs> rules nerds, uh, which I'm assuming most of our audience is. In some I'm one. Fashion. I have sat down I, and like studied. Yeah. And I have a morph Speaking ADH of, deck. Speaking of what most of our audience is, I would just like to say thank you to all of the people that came up to me this weekend at GP Portland and said I am a non-judge that listens to JudgeCast. <laughs> there were there I I there were more than I can count on one hand people that said this to me. So uh, thank you for listening. And Brian Brian doesn't think that that you shouldn't listen to the show. We promise. No, it again the state the statement was if you listen to the show and all the the judgy talk stuff, you know what's holding you back, man. Or woman, just go do it. <laughs> hey, woman, stop hey. hassling me. Yeah, I'm not Lebowski. I'm the dude. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the basics of morph, shall we? Yes. So let's... morph is a great mechanic, but it's pretty. It's a little complex. It's a little. Um, basically, what morph lets you do is it lets you cast cards face down, and when they enter the battlefield, they end up any face down card on the battlefield or on the stack even is a two-two uh, creature. That's it. Full stop. Not colored. It has no abilities. It has no mana cost. It has no nothing. It just lets you cast cards face down. Even though no, you're paying no three name, four. no subtype. Yeah. And so I, I didn't mention that yet. But to, so if you have a card with morph in your hand and you want to cast it face down, uh, you pay three colorless mana and you put it on the stack face down. Yep. That's it. Your opponent doesn't get to know what it is, of course. And uh, I can't stress enough, it has no mana cost. Just because you paid three doesn't mean it has a mana cost. It has no and mana then, cost. And then later, you can say, like, when the opponent attacks, you can be like, you revealed my trap card and flip it over and and kill his blue eyes white dragon. Yes, you can kill his blue eyes white dragon. Wow. You've gone from Power Rangers to, is that Yu-Gi-Oh? I think that's Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, that's Yu-Gi-Oh. Alrighty. <laughs> okay. Hey man, we're gonna be morphing the genre that we're talking about all over the place. Um, okay, so, um, so you're casting it face down as an alternate cost. When you when you start to cast it, you actually are are flipping over the card before, like you're turning the card face down right before you start to cast it. So the game doesn't ever see anything other than you casting a creature. You know, so if you're gonna talk about like that enchantment with morph or that land with mozoetic caverns or whatever, it's nope, it's a morph. Um, so, uh, it's, or rather it's a morph. It's a, it's a creature on the stack. You are casting a creature spell. Bleh. And, uh, for what it's worth also, 
while it's face down, its identity is hidden information. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. So so I could so I could in fact say every time I cast a morph creature, I am going to put this zoetic cavern on the stack face down, even if it's not a zoetic cavern. Now now some of the stuff when we're describing the basics, we might say something that that is technically incomplete. Okay, just trust when we get into the more complicated stuff we'll explore. But right now at the beginning, we're kind of giving you an overview, uh, and then we're going to get into the the, the crunchy bits a bit uh, in just a bit. Okay, because morph morph is kind of one of those one of those things that's uh, it's it's a lot more complicated than it seems on the on the surface. Um, so yeah, so the face down. So when you cast it, when you cast it face down, um, like you said, it has no name, no mana cost, no creature types, no nothing except it's a creature and it's a two-two. Um, then when you have priority, you can uh, turn a, a, a morph face up by revealing it, pointing at its morph cost, okay, and and paying it, okay. And this is what we call a special action. You still have to have priority, but it doesn't have to use the stack, or it doesn't have to. It doesn't use the stack. And the reason why it doesn't use the stack is because, boy, it really would suck to be like, put all this mana in to flip over and reveal my, was it my Croson Cloudscaper? Is that that big 9-9 guy? Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah, and the opponent's like, ha, in response, shock it. Yeah. Yeah. The whole the whole the whole flavor of morph kind of is you think it's a two two, but it's really not. So it would it would be kind of you know, you don't know what it is until it's too late. And in that particular case, if it did use the stack, you'd be like, Oh well now I know what it is and I don't particularly like that. So bloop, bloop. um so once you perform that special action, okay, you regain priority again, okay? And sometimes these morph creatures, they have triggers or something like that, but you get priority back. Um, and then the, the next paragraph, who wants that? Me. So yeah. because uh, we don't want players to be able to just play any card in their hand face down and say it was a morph. Wink, wink, best island ever. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, because we don't want that to be able to happen, if that face-down creature is going to any different zone, so your hand uh, is the big one, but the graveyard exile anywhere, you have to reveal it. Anti-zone, you know. Anti-zone, yes. Um, also, if you are leaving the game or the game is over, you have to reveal all your face-down cards. And we're going to circle down, circle around to what happens when you don't later, but spoiler, you have to reveal your <laughs> face-down cards. We have your opponent has to be able to verify that what they were were uh, morphs that you cast them a creature with morph. That it's not a bunch of extra lands that you've just been swinging for two two with. Right. So uh, one thing I didn't mention, I mean, it, I hope everyone understands that you can also cast them face up as normal. Like you don't, you do not have to morph a morph card. You can cast it face up. It, they all have mana costs. Although, if I may speculate, cast for a moment, I think we're going to see some without mana costs. But they are they are fully castable face up. You don't have to morph them yes. if you don't want to. I, I want to see a card that turns a, a face down thing on the stack face up. I think that would be awesome. That's narrow. <laughs> It's super narrow. Yeah, and You're... also it's awesome. Yeah, I mean I like it. Um, hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to think like what you would what you would also do to just make it to make it just playable for non morph creatures. That's also kind of flavorful. I call it bubble up, and it lets you turn a face down spell face up, and also put it oh. on top of the stack. You move Say it to again? the top of the stack. What if, what if, what if, what if, uh, what if you could, oh, dude, what if you could turn a spell on the stack face down? Well, that would, like it just said, that would be a lot less narrow, but also weirder. Because you could have a lightning bolt on the battlefield. 
Right. And then, oh yeah, ooh. It would have to be That's a permanent awful. spell, and that would just be yeah. awkward. Now we're into speculation cast again. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the basics of Morph. And honestly, in, in a vacuum, Morph is not too bad, right? Like, that all seems like it's fine. But it's when Morph starts to interact with every other card in the game is when Morph starts to get a little bit complex. Wait, there's one thing, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, CJ. There's one thing we didn't talk about about the basics of Morph from a policy perspective that's really important. Okay. And, and that's just that when it leaves the battlefield or the stack face down it you have to reveal it yeah when it goes from any zone to a different zone you have to reveal it um and, and so that this is extremely important because at a competitive rl event if you don't reveal it you'll get a game loss and i don't want to give you that game loss so please reveal your morph cards spoilers i said we were going to circle back on that oh you did yeah, now yes. everyone's going to shut off the episode i know we we <laughs> Oh, no, I mean, go... I, I think that's a basic. That's basic of Morph. Anyway, <laughs> when do things start to get weird? All right. So uh, like we mentioned, face down cards, they have no name. So what that means is if you cast a spell like Bioblight thinking, yeah, I'm going to wipe my opponent's board, which uh, that's the one that gives minus three, minus three to target creature and all creatures that share a name with it. Unfortunately, no, it's only going to kill that one Morph that you targeted. Yeah. Uh, so because no name yeah. is not actually a name. It's it's null for you computer rules nerds, uh, and and same thing same thing with creature type. So if you have a, a a card that wants to you know give a bonus to all creatures of the same type, morph is not a creature type. So uh, coat of arms won't work, or your your uh, favorite uh, pump of choice uh, color. Same thing with color. Like if you have uh, one of those, uh, was it gauntlets of, was it might or power? Yeah. The, yeah, the one, the one that lets you choose a color. You can't choose colorless. So, uh, so like we mentioned earlier, morph is an alternate cost. So instead of uh, paying the printed mana cost, you're pr you're paying three colorless to play this spell face down. Um, because it's an alternate cost, cards like Animar, who I love, work great with them. So Animar has an ability that says creature spells you cast. Cast costs one less to cast for each plus one plus one counter on Animar. And that's what my whole morph deck is built around. Dump in my hand. You have a morph deck? Yeah, it's awesome. Here's here's how it plays. I'll, I will play Animar. I will dump my hand in the next few turns. And then someone board wipes. And then I lose the game. It's a great strategy. Deck. It's a great it, deck. Uh, <laughs> seems like it. <laughs> I love it. This is why you judge. <laughs> I used to, uh, when I was a kid, I had a zero mana artifact deck. And people would be like, "Well, how does it win?" And I'm like, "I don't like. I don't even understand your point." Right now. Wait, what is this? What is this win thing? Is this is this a new mechanic? Uh, <laughs> the whole point of the deck is so I can we can draw our opening hands, and I can be like, "No lands," <laughs> and then do a mulligan. <laughs> uh, good times. All right, what else? Uh, let's well, see here. It... So so turning turning uh, uh turning face up. Uh, so you've got a you've got your morph creature face down, and it's got counters. Or auras or equipment or any of that stuff okay when you pay the morph cost and the card transform uh, uh transforms oh bad <laughs> bad bad brian um when it flips up and it becomes uh it, it's it's copyable characteristics become whatever's printed on the card you are still going to keep the counters keep the effects from the equipment or the auras or anything like that Timestamps don't change so it's not like it's it's not entering the battlefield or anything like that. Um, it's just it's 
in a way, it's very similar to the the double face cards from Innistrad. You know, the the base creature changes underneath the equipment, but timestamps don't change or anything like that. Yeah. So when we say a face down card is like a two two, for those listening to our layers episodes, you know, we're not saying that it's morph somehow has a, a power and toughness setting effect on the morphs, but rather those are the characteristics of the face down card. It is a two two creature. Bleh. That's it. Yes. Right. And when we when we start talking about copy copy, we'll get in we'll get into it a little bit more. Yeah. That's why this will become more important. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, a card without morph uh, can be made face down. Right now, there are two cards that do that. Uh, Ixodron, uh, which which turns them all down as a replacement effect when it enters the battlefield. It's an as as it enters the battlefield, it does that as opposed to when it enters the battlefield, which is kind of kind of neat because it would die. Because it would die. Yes, probably, but not in my morph deck. Uh, nope, not in that morph deck. Mm. Is Animar so, got blue? Yeah. Oh, oh, hey there. So, um, yeah, those cards. So, first of all, let's touch on this briefly because you mentioned it already. Double face cards and Ixodron and Illusionary Mask. Yeah. Um, so double face cards don't have a face down side. They have a face up side and also another face up side. So um, can we can we back up can we back up even even further? Yeah. Um, the basics. So, yeah. When when I say when I say face face up face down are statuses of cards just like tapped untapped is a card can be tapped a card can be untapped a card can be face up a card, and a card can, can be, be unface up unface up yes <laughs> unface up uh you can have you can have unflipped flipped and the other the last state is phased in phased out um and if you think of it as a status then uh, some stuff that we're going to talk about a little bit later is is relevant. But and by, by flipped, you mean the Kamigawa cards, I mean not the Kamigawa flip. Cards. I mean the Kamigawa flip. So it's so it's so those are the four states, and each of the four states they have they have like two two modes: tapped, untapped, face up, face down, flipped, unflipped, and phased in, phased out. And the special thing about transform, and now we can go back to the the transform cards. Uh, so okay well i was just saying the transform cards if something would turn a transform card face down a card with transform face down that's not really an ability is it god that's so awkward (laughs) um double face cards is what they're called yeah it it would turn a double face card face down and instead does not turn that double face card face down it just nothing happens to it 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 can't have that status it's it's almost yeah it's like if if a card said i can't become tapped right it just nothing would ever make it tapped Yep. What about a Kamigawa flip card, and then you turn it upside down? Do you, have a... you mean if it's already flipped? Yeah. It could, it just stays flipped. You yeah. have an upside down morph creature. You have a flipped morph creature. Are you gonna make? Is that in your EDH deck too? And then you can phase it out. No, it unfortunately now. not. <laughs> oh man. You can phase it, it out and do the whole thing. So if your goal was to have a tapped, flipped, face down, phased out creature, I think that should be everyone's goal. That's. That's, that's, wow. That sounds like an awful lot of work. It is an awful lot of work. So the main point there is there are ways beyond morph to put a creature face down, and I have a feeling we will see more um, with the new set. But right now it's just Ixodron and Illusionary Mask. And yeah. then if your guy gets face down for any way, like say your bear cub gets put face down by Ixodron, uh, you cannot 
the term I call it is unmorph it because it has no morph costs. So you would reveal it, try to point to the morph cost and be like, oh, there isn't one and put it back face down. Um, You're looking at a uh, uh, break open, yeah, I think. I think that's the only one. Oh, and I think I think uh, Ixador himself can do it. Uh, yeah. So break open. Break open is turn target face down creature and opponent controls face up, <laughs> which is such a, a kick in the pants. Speaking like, about narrow. Yeah, right. But I mean, you know, that's fun. Um, <laughs> or it can be. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, somebody thinks it's fun. CJ thinks it's fun to not win the game. So I think it's fun. It's in my deck. So is Ixidor. So is Ixidoron. Yeah. All right. Oh, all so, right. So so Jess made the made the comment that uh, earlier that that a face down uh, face down permanent is hidden information. <laughs> So that you can you can say, oh, I'm playing my face down lightning bolt. Whoop. And the guy's like, wait, you can't do that, judge. And he's like, well, he doesn't have to tell you what it really is. But since it's hidden information, does that mean that we can't look at it ever? No. That, that we, the caster, we're not allowed to look at it either? No, you definitely can look at it. Yep. 100%. I, I can look at my own morph creature face down. You can look at your own morph creature um, and your own face down spells on the stack. Yes. Now, an an interesting uh thing. So so when we talk about uh counters in magic, are we talking about counter spells or are we talking about plus one plus one counters? You don't really know based on that context where it's like, man, I love counters. You don't know what I'm talking about. Um if I talk about face down cards, that is actually equally ambiguous because if it's face down on the stack or a permanent, then that's something that, that, that you can look at because it's it's one of these things with, with morph. However, there are some cards that make you or have you exile cards face down. When you exile them face down, they are not a morph creature. Yeah, it's not a 2-2 it's not a in exile, no. Right, and you cannot look at what that card is unless, it, unless the effect that had you put it exile it face down tells you you can so uh uh want to want to be clear on that it's it's face down on the battlefield or on the stack means something different than face down in exile just like counter can mean two different things and if you had a face down creature and it got exiled through say swords to plowshares um you we said you reveal it but it's also a default that things enter the exile zone face up so it would be face up in the graveyard or in the exile zone everything like that that's why that and, the, and that doesn't trigger things that say, you know, like whenever so and so becomes face up, you get this effect. Yeah. Uh, that does not happen when it becomes exiled. It's, it doesn't become face up and then get exiled. It's just it's face down in this zone, face up in this other zone, in the exile zone. You would also gain two life if anyone out there is like, well, wait, how much life gets gained? That's how Dos. much life. Dos. Dos. So. So, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was I was gonna say so something else is morphing from zones that aren't your hand we're going deep all right let's do it okay so uh basically what you do is if if you have a morph card on the top of your library that is revealed because you have uh uh garuk's uh what's that seven seven the pack leader pack leader pack leader i thought that's that's the one that draws a card yeah garuk's horde yeah we're going to say it's Garuk's Horde. Also in my morph um, deck. Yeah. Or, Future well, if it's, in your, if, if it's in your morph deck, how do you not know what... 
Anyway, if you have that, or let's say you have something that lets you play creatures uh, from your graveyard, um, what you do is, and you have, oh, we'll say, Zoetic Cavern, because that's a land with the morph ability. You can actually, uh, with uh, Garuk's Horde, the first thing you do when you cast a, a morph spell is you basically turn it face down in the in the in the zone that it's in, and then you check to see if you can cast it. Okay, so I can turn Zoetic Cavern down. Hey, now I can start casting it with uh, uh, Garuk's uh, Horde, so I can cast it as a morph creature. It's Garrick. Garrick. Garuk. <laughs> I'll go with Garuk. No, there's Garuk. been... There's it's always been this... Garuk. There's I know there's something official, it doesn't fire. matter, because Garuk is on fire, yes. Yes, Garuk is on fire. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's some oddness, right? But yeah, you are... Uh... You're looking at how it would be face down. So yeah. So it again, it's kind of one of those. It's kind of one of those weird things in the game where it's like, you you kind of look ahead to what the result's gonna be to know if you can take this action a little bit earlier. Uh, but yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. So, so yeah. <laughs> another uh, weird thing about morph <clears throat> is your opponent actually gets to know the order that you played the morph creatures in, and you have to maintain that that order. So, um, say I played a, let's pretend there's a 2-2 of morph, a 3-3 of morph, and a 4-4 of morph, because it makes it easier to talk about. Um, <clears throat> say I played the 2-2 face down first, and the 3-3 face down fir- second, and the 4-4 face down third, and my opponent says, which one of those did you pay, play third? You have to tell him that. You can't just be like, well, I'm going to shuffle them up and uh, yeah. see so if he... Follow the queen, follow the pretty lady, put your money down. None of, none yeah. of that. Yeah. None of the, that came. The the order has to be maintained, um, I guess, for rare strategic plays. And the other the other weird thing is, if um, you, oh, say, have a certain Akroma as your commander, uh, Akroma the Red, uh, who has Morph, and you play her, um, that that her commanderness is still an an aspect of that card. Right. So That's awkward. If, yeah. So if you somehow like get your commander in your library and you're able to 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 cast her from your hand and then you hit them with damage, I mean, you, they they know that that's your commander. They have to know that that's their commander. They just took commander damage. Right. Yeah. You know, oh, I just took two from that morph. Is that regular damage or commander damage? He's like, "Well, I don't have to tell you." <laughs> yeah, you do. And and on the same token, no, you, you you have to tell them. That's the other weird thing. Yeah, you have to. Like tell. you can't just be like, I'm gonna call it not commander damage. No, no, no. you have to tell them. No, because that yeah. card is your commander. Face up, face down, doesn't matter. That card is your commander. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, and another bit of weirdness along those lines is, uh, and touching on what I said earlier was, if you play that Akroma face down, like I said, it doesn't matter that you have, and she's your commander, but your opponent knows it's Akroma, right? You can't do the whole shuffle them all up. And be like, well, you got to guess. You know, if they're like uh, Doomblade, the Akroma one, you that has to happen. You can't just hide. Oh, which one? Which one's the Akroma one? Yeah, uh, you gotta, you gotta guess. Oh, uh, none of that silliness. All right, let's get before we get into copying. One last thing. Uh, so, say you have a morph face down, and you uh, turn to frog it, right? Well. As far as the game concerned, it's basically a, a normal creature, so it's just going to become it's going to become a one-one uh, blue frog uh, with no abilities, which it already had. So while face down, so you got this one-one frog, and then say you wanted to unmorph it. Well, what have we talked about a few times here? You reveal it, you check its stats. Its stats say, "Oh, I'm a one-one blue frog with no abilities. I don't have morph." And you're like, "Oh, oh well." And then you put it back face down because you cannot 
unmorph right. it because it loses the ability if it were face up. Right. The the object doesn't change. It's not gaining abilities. So you you flip it up and you check does it have the morph ability and with the turn and frogs don't got no morph. <laughs> Come on now. That's just crazy talk. Now I have to search gather and find out if there's a frog. I was before. already Thanks. starting to do it. <laughs> I think there is. is that, I think there's like a no, no. It's because it's the morph spider, and frogs are spiders' natural enemy, and they they don't they don't they don't play together. I feel like fine, fine. Prove me, prove me wrong. It falls. Uh-huh. Go for it. You can't do it. Challenge. Are they frogs? Or... Yeah, they're frogs, not toads. All right, you win. That's right. Because <laughs> a frog with morph. That's just silly. That's just silly. It is silly. I mean, why would why would a frog be in a in a in a in a spider shell? I mean, a thirteen thirteen cloud scraper or whichever one that is, whatever. That's fine to morph. Well, sure, he's really tiny. Haven't you seen uh, uh, Men in Black when the guy gets in the Edgar suit? I mean, there's no way that bug would normally fit inside there. He's <laughs> just somehow able to squish his internal organs around. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but the frog, he's tiny. Oh, he all right. He can't fill that suit up. <clears throat> the Edgar suit. The Edgar suit. Water. Sugar water. Sugar. <laughs> I always remember that. He says sugar water weird. Because <laughs> um, he's speaking out of his mandibles. or Well, she or says it. It's his wife. Oh. I'm talking about when she's describing it to um, the men in black. He wanted water. Water. Sugar water. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's talk about copy effects. Uh, All right. And I'm going to take the easy one. So say you're cloning a creature that is already face down. Well, like we mentioned... The copyable characteristics of that face-down creature is just as a 2-2 creature. So your clone of that creature will also be a 2-2 creature, and that's it. If you uh, turn the copy, not the copy, if you turn the original morph face-up or anything, that doesn't change what the clone copied. The clone copied a 2-2 nothing, and that's it. Um, Your copy is not face-down. It doesn't, you know, you never copy a permanent status. You you wouldn't copy if it was tapped. You don't copy that it's face-down. The copy's just 2-2 creature that's it okay all right but now let's start talking about mirror weave Uh, i mean mirror weave makes everything a copy of something else how is that any different so 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 you have uh, a face down a face down creature okay let's let's say i have i have my scornful egoist I love my scornful egoist. It's a, I, I it's don't a, even know what that card does. What does that card it's, do? It's Nothing. seven. It's seven and a blue for a one one with, with morph. morph. Oh, and a good. morph for a blue. The it the gag was it was in scourge, which was a converted uh, casting cost set. <laughs> uh, converted casting cost matters, or it had a beam where it'd be like draw cards equal to the highest converted mana cost of permanence you control. So this was like a a a goofy way of getting a card in with a ridiculously high converted mana cost without actually paying for it. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's a, it's amusing. So, I've got <coughs> I've got my scornful egoist. Um, he's face down. I say it's a he, it might be an it uh, or or a she. But uh, and I have a face up CG what's your favorite creature? Bear cub. Bear cub. All right, I have a face <laughs> up bear cub. Obviously bear cub. Okay, and I cast mirror weave um uh uh targeting bear, uh, bear targeting bear cub yeah. making my my tutu now it is a it is a copy of bear cub my my morph creature is now a copy of bear cub 
Oh, this this is an unexciting example because they're both two twos. Yeah, you okay. My favorite it? creature is actually a hill giant. I was wrong. Hill. Oh, okay. Hill giant. <laughs> so I've got a hill giant instead of a bear cub, and I I cast mirror weave targeting hill giant. So my my egoist, my face down egoist, becomes a copy of hill giant. So it is now three. It is a three three hill giant, but mm-hmm. its status is <laughs> face down. Face down creatures are two two creatures. So. If I am somehow able to flip my card face up, like with Olsei a break open, I will have a hill giant. I will have a face up card in my copy of fa- and it will be a hill giant. Even though it's a uh, it's a scornful egoist under it, it'll be a hill giant that just looks like a scornful egoist. Okay. Does that make sense to everybody? Makes sense to me. Listening at home. So so thought on TGO it'll look like a hill giant. It will look like a hill giant, but the actual card on the table will look like a scornful egoist. We just all know in his heart of hearts he wants to be a hill giant. Yeah. So Um, the way this was once described to me is that morph is effectively layer 1.5. Because it really applies after copy effects because it's a status. Um, I don't know if that helps people remember it or not. I mean, strictly speaking, that's not true. It's not part of the layer system at all, but... Yeah, that that is, that is a, per the rules, that is an inaccurate way of looking at it. Per the way it practically works, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's pretty much going to cover, cover you correctly, like, 99 point something percent of the time. Right. Yeah. So often, it'll cover you so often that we're not even bothering to think of the corner cases where it won't. 75% of the time, it works every oh. time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so that is a so we just did a a creature becoming a copy of a face down creature. We are now we now did a face down creature becoming a copy of a face up creature. What if I replace hill giant with in that example with uh uh scorn uh, no let's see here what's it a uh, Croson Cloud Scraper. Okay. okay, that's that big thirteen thirteen guy. Okay, so I have a face up thirteen thirteen with morph. I play Mirror Weave targeting it. My scornful egoist, my face down scornful egoist, is now going to become a Croson Cloud Scraper. Okay, but it but it is also face down, so it's just a two two. Now the question is, can I morph it? I say it's morphin' time, and <laughs> I and I go to flip it over, and what what is it? Um... A cloud scraper. It's a cloud scraper. I have to pay cloud scraper's cost, morph cost. It doesn't have the scornful egoist's cost. It has the Croson cloud scraper's cost because it's a copy of the Croson Croson cloud scraper. So I have to pay the what is it like the nine mana or something like that. Yeah. And I flip it over and I get my thirteen thirteen until end of turn and then I just paid a lot for a one one. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that this is really complicated, but what it really is, is just if it becomes a copy of something else, it is a copy of that thing. It's just face down. Yep. That's that's it. Yeah. Kind of like if you clone something and then like you cloned a hill giant and then turned your copy of the hill giant face down. Like exact same thing. There's no real difference. Yep. <clears throat> All so, right. So there you go. Uh, that's that's copy effects with morph. In yeah. a morph shell. Instead of in a nutshell. In a morph shell. I got huh. it. I got it. Yeah, so that's that's about everything with morph. I mean, you know, it gets weird with other cards, but it's really it's really not so bad. If if you remember that unmorphing is uh revealing it, checking its characteristics to see if it can unmorph, you know, if it has an unmorph cost, um, and then paying that cost and then fa- turning it face up. I feel like we did an episode on Morph before, and it took way longer than this. No, we've never done an episode on Morph. Oh, we just covered a lot in our copies episode. I think we covered copying Morphs in our copies episode. I think we covered everything in our copies episode. 
copying everything. Yes, copying, yes. Making copies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so is there is there anything else rules-wise that, that we want to talk about with face down? No, not comprehensive rules-wise. No, I think we already covered all the comp rule stuff, and, and it's it's pretty straightforward, at least until we get the new set and see what kind of crazy stuff they throw at us. Yeah. I really want to see uh, spells that have that can be cast face down, but like the only way it would work is you'd have to reveal them before they resolve and enter the battlefield. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm speculating here. Because <laughs> they have to expand on more. If you're not just going to bring it back and not expand on it. All right. Here's, here's a weird one. If a face down permanent would have an is as this permanent is turned face up ability after it's turned face up, that ability is applied while that permanent is being face up, being turned face up, not after. Okay, that's okay. So that's I guess there's a there's a what is it that that card that like as you're turning it face up, you get to choose whether or not it's like a one four or a two two or a do you know what I'm talking about? It's the it's the morph dude with uh, uh I don't know that one. I actually know I pretty much only know the morph creatures from Time Spiral, to be honest with you. Okay, here we go. Aquamorph entity. Okay, it's a it's a star star creature that says as aquamorph entity enters the battlefield or is turned face up, it becomes your choice of a five one or a one five. Okay. So this is this is one of these things where it's a replacement effect that's modifying how it's not I mean how it's being morphed. And so this is kind of one of the things where you can't say like, oh, well, it doesn't have the characteristics of what it was to become until after it was turned face up. And so it's too late for this replacement effect to apply. So this rule right here just kind of patches that hole and says, no, no, no. It says as, as it's turned face up instead of when it's a replacement effect. It works. You're covered. Bro. I'm glad you felt the need to tell people that cards work as printed. Well, I mean, some sometimes you get. I'll, I'll be I'll be blunt. Uh, sometimes sometimes you get people that like they know parts of the rules and they are they are very you know it's like this I know that this works therefore this card as printed cannot work and it's like well really there's another rule somewhere else that actually covers this. Right, situation. right. I do want to add though that if something has a uh, when this is turned faced up trigger, casting it without morphing it will never trigger that when this is turned faced up. It has to be face down and then turned face up. So just because it enters the battlefield face up does not mean that it turned face up. Oh so, man, I really want to see an enchantment now that whenever a face down creature enters the battlefield, you turn it face up. Oh, uh, it's a jerk move. So, so <laughs> well, actually, uh, it could be really good. Yeah, it could be amazing. <laughs> So are you saying for everything, turn, 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 there is a season, turn, turn, turn? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. All right, so let's talk about what happens in this situation where we, we talked about um, when the morph is leaving the battlefield or you lose the game or you win the game or anything. What happens if you don't reveal those morphs? So let's start with competitive. Yeah. Okay. So... There used to be for for you old farts out there. There used to be a infraction called failure to reveal, um, and it went away sorta. The infraction did, but all of its rules text got rolled into game rule violation. Uh, and what a game rule violation does is it basically has a a section in there that talks about what happens if you commit an infraction that your opponent can't verify. So what, is, what does it say? It says, if your opponent cannot verify your infraction, 
we upgrade it to a game loss. So, so in this particular case, the infra- the rule is the game rule violation. The rule is reveal your stuff, okay? And by scooping up your stuff really quick or putting it in, you mixing it in with your hand, stuff like that, uh, you are committing an infraction that your opponent cannot verify. He cannot verify that you played that morph card correctly, which is why the rule is there. Okay, so what we what we have is is if the information needed to verify the legality was ever in a uniquely identifiable position. Okay, this is this is where sometimes people use that phrase uniquely identifiable position. This is the only place it occurs right here, this situation or this this uh, this this infraction. Um, then you're not going to upgrade else the GRV warning is going to get upgraded to a game loss. So what what's what type of situations let's let's talk about the type of situations where it would be a game loss and which type of situations would it be a warning? Oh, okay. So let's say you have a two two creature that's face down and I lightning bolt it and you put it into your graveyard still face down. <laughs> that's a good one. Um this is this is a game rules violation. You you didn't reveal that card when it left the battlefield. Do we still know what card it is? Yes. Yes, yeah. we do. Um, yeah. Another similar example is we we grip tied it or whatever, and we put it on top of your library. Yep. That's we know just... we know that card. It is in a uniquely identifiable yeah. position. It is that card. We can point at it. That is okay. the one. You boomerang it, and I put it directly into my hand, and my hand has no cards in it. Yes. Okay, that is again a uniquely identifiable uh, situation, and what the reason why this whole uniquely identifiable clause is in there? We might have talked about this on other episodes, but it's it's now in a place the opponent can say, "Oh, hey, I'm supposed to know what that card is, and I can point to it, and I know that that's it without a question, without a shadow of a doubt. It's right there." I'm supposed to be able to see that, and you can just reveal it, flip it over, this is what it is, and the game can continue. Uh, the card does not currently have to be in a uniquely identifiable position. It just had to be in a uniquely identifiable position because what's the angle What's the angle shoot you can do? So, oh, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> so the easy one is uh, I see Brian. I bounce Brian's face-down creature. He puts it in his hand, and his hand is completely empty. Then I'm like, well, wait. It's uniquely identifiable right now because I know the rules. I'm going to wait till he draws a card. Then it's no longer uniquely identifiable, and then I'm going to call a judge, and he's going to get a game loss. Right. So just... we don't want policy to create cheaters. Yes. So, so if you tried to do that, and and I ask you some questions and figure out you're trying to do that, you're going to get disqualified. Yeah, that is cheating. So yes. don't do that. No, that's bad. But the point of this policy is, and like Brian said, uh, the reason why, it, if it was ever in a uniquely identifiable position, we do not upgrade is uh, for that right there. So say, you know, say that happened and it was a legitimate mistake, right? You know, you draw the card and then I'm like, wait, wasn't I supposed to know what that was? Um, well, we're going to just give a, a warning there. So and in most cases where we give the warning, we're probably just going to go ahead and reveal the card. Um, in that specific case, I would not reveal the card because we can't prove conclusively which card in the hand is is that card. Say that again? In that specific case where I bounced your face down guy, you didn't reveal it, then you drew another card, I would not have you reveal the card. 
Correct, because you can't you can't know yeah. that it's it's that card. It's it's basically like if if the card is still unique, then reveal it. Right, and it's no longer unique. So uh, situations where we have a game loss, though. Um, same situation. I unsummon Brian's face down creature, but he has five other cards in hand, and he puts it in his hand. Uh oh. Uh oh. It is no longer uniquely identifiable. It doesn't matter if he has you know as you the judge go over there and look and you're like. Oh, well, he has five lands and a uh, and a morph guy in hand. Doesn't matter. None of that matters. Um, it is no longer uniquely identifiable. The opponent no longer can point at it and say that's the one. Uh, so that's going to be a game loss. So so what happens if uh, we just finished up our game? I lost because I'm playing this awful morph deck, and I just scoop all the cards and put them into my um, my library. And this was the uh, the end of the match. What? Uh, awkward. Yeah. What's going to happen to me here? Um, the match is already over. Yeah, no, it's not. Well, yeah. it is. I mean, the match still is over. <laughs> right. Well, if right. you if you won that game, you suddenly didn't win that game. Right. So so there are actually there are actual rules involved in winning the game or ending the game, and this is one of them. So you had it, and then you blew it. Well, I'm saying I lost. Oh, you lost. If oh, you lost. Okay. Then we'll so apply it to the next game. Okay. Well, we can apply it to the next game. It's a little awkward here. Yeah, it's really awkward here, actually. Now that I think about it, I see no issue applying it to the next. Brian, game. what do you think? Uh, I know we had a long discussion about this a couple of years ago with Morph. Really? It, it, yeah, on one of the judge lists, but we can't go back and look at it because those lists don't exist anymore because judge apps. But you know, um, it's it's not it's not clear because Morph hasn't been a thing in uh, so long. yeah since Time Spiral. Well, even I mean, how long ago was that? That was like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. I will say I have not been a judge uh, since Morph was in standard last. So, to me, I, I'm kind of surprised by the discussion here. To me, it's it's pretty easily um, we'll apply it in the next round. I, yeah, that's pro- probably where where we're gonna go because it's it's using the same philosophy as as USC uh, USC major is it's not though. It's not because you're not breaking because you're not violating policy. You're actually violating a game rule. So hmm. I get I get what you're saying though because yeah cause like you yeah, saying you're, okay because your 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 the game rules tell you you have to do this there's no policy thing that tells you that you have to do this it's it's like if I were to think about it this way if I drew an extra card in a game and neither me nor my opponent caught it until after the game was over are we gonna go back and penalize that true yeah that's really okay. awkward so, really awkward so we, may have to revi- we may have to revisit this one actually. you attack yeah. you attack me for fatal you're attacking me for fatal and. I'm going fatal. to. I love that phrase. I'm going to do that now. I attack for fatal. <laughs> I attack for fatal damage, and then I commit a like my third GRV. Am I? I'm going to lose that game and get a game loss in my next game. Okay. All right. Hmm. I'm sure we'll get some guidance on this as the set comes out, and we will yeah. update our listeners accordingly. But no, I like what you're saying. Actually, um, the the loss or the the loss will apply during that game. Doesn't matter if you're winning or losing. Yeah. Fortunately, we've got about a month, month and a half to uh to get something to get something on this. But yeah, if you look at if you look at it as just a regular old <laughs> a regular old game loss penalty, then it would apply to that that match. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I think. Oh, so a regular Oreo. So what do we do? Uh, what do we do there? If people make this mistake. Game loss. I point. I point my finger at them. Yes. I wag it really hard. Oh. And I say, stop that. Yes. 
and then and then they do it again, and I wag it really hard, and I say, "Stop that, or you're gonna get a game loss." And then and then hopefully they don't do it anymore. Yes, that's the hope. So yeah, and that's it. So I I just don't want to hear of people out there at FNM giving people game losses for this. It is not a game loss at Regalario. We just ask them not to do that. All right, let's jump into our news, shall we? Yes. Yes. Head first. We have a uh, three new level three judges. Um, who I had their names pulled up, and then now I don't. So I know one of them. All right, tell me oh, that. What's up, man? Tell me that one. Uh, Thomas Ralph. Yes, uh, in the UK. From Ireland specifically, and from the UK. Uh, I know him because I was on his panel. Congratulations, uh, Thomas Ralph, for becoming the newest level three judge. Yes, he is the newest. Uh, we also uh, have Patrick Erickson from Sweden and Matt Johnson, also from the UK. Yep. So those are those are the guys that are level three now. Congratulations. J- welcome to the ranks of L3 with the rest of, uh, well, most of the rest. Oh, of that's sad. <laughs> uh, you'll get there. One day. I have, I have faith that you'll get there. Uh, uh, we also have, so this episode almost could have been Sky is Not Falling Part 3, to be honest, but... Uh, so I, I don't even want to talk about it too deeply, but everyone got sent out uh, foil basic land with Therese Nielsen art. Every judge um, that had been certified since, I don't remember what the exact cutoff date is, but everyone. And it's caused a little bit of a, but Andy, what if my address isn't up to date and so hey, on and so, so forth. So, okay, if you're a judge and you didn't update your address after the Force of Will debacle, <laughs> what were you thinking? Now, yeah, I mean, I get that point, but in fairness, for Force of Wills, only L2s were told to... I know, but, like, it was a thing. Like, people were like, oh, I didn't update my address. I didn't get my Force of Will. Right. Okay, if, the, if that happened to people and you didn't update your address, you, you may have missed the boat. If this happens and you still don't update your address, I have no sympathy for you the next time this comes about. Yeah, so... None whatsoever. Public service announcement from JudgeCast. Always keep your address up to date. And uh, we will we will be adding a link to the FAQ for these foil lands in the show notes. So if you somehow haven't picked up what you need to do through social media at any point, you can go check out this FAQ from Andy so, Hecht. So I run I run the I run the Twitter account for Magic Judges, and I will tell you, uh, and I also uh, monitor the, uh, the 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 Facebook. Uh, I'm sick of it. <laughs> I can only I can only imagine Andy. He said he sent that email saying that he received like 500 emails in a 48 hour right. period. And that's exactly what I was about to say. Don't email Andy. Read the FAQ. Stop emailing Andy. We need Andy. <laughs> the 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 other thing Love is. Love you, Andy. <laughs> here, here here's the thing. Just collectively, guys, and I realize that the people that I really want to talk to aren't our listeners because our listeners are good, honest people. Yeah. Um, but here, here's the thing, okay? If we as judges complain and make it difficult every time Wizards tries to do something nice for us, they're gonna stop. Because it's not worth it. Right. You know, it's kind of one of these things where it's like every time we try to do something nice, you know, it, it bites us and it ends up costing us more money than we thought. Right. They so, have to send out a bunch of these like twice. Yeah. And and really, the policy is what the policy about what is is what it is to prevent because there are people out there. I hate to say it, that that will try and abuse the system. It's like, oh, my foils got damaged. Can you send me some other ones or, you know? Uh, or, 
oh, uh, yeah, you must have sent it to the wrong address. Can you send me another one? Because it seems like such a harmless, victimless crime. It's almost like downloading uh, the, be- the 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 next Kesha song off of uh, off of your favorite uh, uh, whatever spot. ITunes? No, not iTunes. You, you don't want to pay for it. Oh, it's Kesha. Uh, so I paid for every album. I'm very upset about this comment. I, 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 I actually, yeah, I use Spotify. I don't remember the last time I downloaded. I know Spotify is the best, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's it's. I will tell like, you, I don't use Spotify much, but when I the first time I opened it up and started using it, I was like, is this legal? Like, right? How? How exactly. can I listen to Kesha's entire uh, library just for free well, right here? Well, I mean, I I wonder how's that legal in the first place? Like, how is listening to Kesha legal? I won't take any of this slander. <laughs> oh, well, maybe I should type it down so you can say it's liable instead. Yes, thanks, Spider-Man. <laughs> Teaching us all. Yes, it's liable. Liable's in print. <laughs> all, right. all right, you guys ready for some emails? Speaking of in print. Yes. Nice. Yes. Mailbag. Our first email comes from Elijah West. Uh, I'm actually going to summarize his issue, but uh, effectively he was working at PTQ. He's a relatively new level one, and uh, he was working at PTQ, and he was on deck checks. And what he ended up doing was he went to deck check a table, and he didn't realize this at first, but um, after telling him, you know, hey, I need your stuff for deck checks, uh, they were in the middle of resolving mulligans. So one of them had already drawn to six, and the other one was uh, just about to draw, but had not. And he wants to know, um, did he do anything wrong? And how should he handle situations like this in the future? Uh, okay, so really, when you are getting ready to deck check somebody, uh, and they have already started, and, and like they have their opening hand. Like if they're both mulliganing to six, and they're in the, in the they're shuffling, and they're both presenting, and all that stuff. Sure, 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 fine. Green light, go. But if someone has kept their opening hand, you can still deck check them. That's okay. But you are proceeding now at a very large risk. You You are taking on responsibility. And that responsibility is you have to maintain their hand. And generally speaking, you don't want that responsibility because the consequences if you mess it up are, are pretty big. So unless there is a good reason to deck check that table, just just grab the one next to it yeah your, your deck checks lead they can they can deal with they it. can handle it right? you come there and you're like i grabbed table 17 they go i told you to grab 18 i've already pulled the lists out and yeah, they already they already drawn their hand deal with it be nicer but that's yeah. deal with it. so the point is you can do it it's not the worst thing in the world like um, the mtr even has a specific line about maintaining the hands if, if this happens but at the same time i i would also try to avoid it as much as possible because so. again, you can screw up, and if you do screw up, go talk to the head judge. <laughs> yeah, go straight to the head judge. <laughs> uh, I I broke did it. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Next from Noah says I have a few judge questions for you guys. A little background before again I begin. I run my school's magic club and organize stuff for them. I ran a small standard event for them, and one guy showed up with John Monsters with four Findhorn Elves. That's the old uh, Ice Age version of yes. Llanowar Elves. Um, because it was a casual event, or excuse me, Elvish Mystic in this day and age, um, because it was an, a casual event, we didn't do anything, but it made me wonder, what would you do at F&M or at Comp Ariel? So let's start, let's start there. So a guy comes is... to your uh, 
standard event? I really like this question for a couple of reasons. First thing I want to say is I think it's awesome that you're running magic events at your school club. Yeah. yeah. Um, that like keep doing that. That is great. The second I think thing it's is awesome that Finhorn Elves is getting some love. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Brian loves all the Finhorn Elves. I do, man. Finhorn is the best kind of horn there is. Wow. <laughs> We're going to leave that right where it is. Keep going. Um, <laughs> So this is an interesting situation. So it, let's start. Actually, can we start with competitive Ariel? Yeah, that's fine. So we're going to start with competitive Ariel. A competitive Ariel, this person would be playing with the deck that was illegal for the format. I would ask some investigating questions, but I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be, I didn't know that what standard meant, or I didn't know this card wasn't standard. Uh, we will issue the appropriate penalty because this is a, a deck deckless problem. They're playing a card that's not legal for the format, which so the penalty is a game loss. And then we will have them replace those with basic lands, probably forests, I'm guessing, <laughs> and uh, and have them continue playing the rest of the event. Yeah. So from that point, I would say I think the reason they were playing it is because it's a it's functionally identical to Elvish Mystic. Right. Uh, except I would for the agree name. With that. But still, that doesn't that doesn't change the answer at all. Um. And then at F and M, that we're not going to give a I'm I'm not going to give a game loss for that at F and M. But well, because we don't that fix is still functional. But honestly, I would probably replace those cards with Elvish Mystics if possible. Yeah. Yeah. If he if he's saying something like I well I didn't have any. I didn't have any Elvish Mystics, and since this is basically the same thing, I figured it would be okay. Right. I'd be like, that's... oh, well, it's not okay, but I have four Elvish Mystics here that you could play. Yeah. Can in I fact, you could have them. <laughs> now, if he's also got four Elvish Mystics in his deck in addition okay. to four land or else, <laughs> yes. then, then that's a different problem. Yeah. No, we just let him play eight. <laughs> uh, oh, no. I've got customer service. I've got, customer I've got service. four land or elves, four Elvish Mystics, Four Four. Finhorn Elves. Four, what's that human that does the same thing? Is there a human druid that does... Uh, there's Avacyn's Pilgrim. I don't think there's a one that makes green mana, though. Yeah, no, no. So. oh, you're right. So uh, Sometimes I see a lot of people ask, they'll be like, well, what's the harm, really? And, and the harm is if we start to allow like functional reprints in place of another card, well, there's a lot of cards that care about names. Like I mentioned Bioblight earlier. Um, yep. If we start allowing functional reprints and you play that Finhorn Elf, well, I'm like, well, you know, it, say it's modern. Is that a Land of War Elf? Is that an Elvish Mystic? I don't know. Um, so for that or, reason... Or you know, it's like, hey, name a card. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Pithing Needle right. and name, and name uh, Elvish Mystic, and you're like, haha, my Finhorn Elf gets right around that. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, oh, it's it's almost the same as, oh, hey, by the way, all the islands in my deck are really swamps. Yeah. Um, uh, no. And before anyone emails us, yes, we know Pithing Needle doesn't stop mana abilities. I know. It's just I an know. example. Just an example. I can't put <laughs> off the cuff. Uh, anyway, so. Yeah. Oh, so his other question. Uh, As a high school student, I don't get to play competitive magic very often, but I'm interested in becoming a judge. I don't know any judges that are minors, so I don't know how well it would work. Do you guys have any experience with minors as judges or any help or ideas? Uh, That is an excellent question. I actually don't know the answer to this question off the top of my head. I don't have any personal experience, but I I mean, I think I think the big thing is as long as you can get to events. So here's the here's the issue. Um, There is nothing that will prohibit someone from becoming a judge that I'm aware of Mm -hmm. certifying as a judge. I think there is an age limit of 14. There Um, is a hard there is a I believe there is a hard age limit. I've read that as policy in the past. I don't know if the policy still exists. I'd have to look into it and I will. I'm going to I'm going to I'll find out for this gentleman um, whether there is. But the 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 really hard issue is going to be 
that it, you may not be able to work for tournament organizers given labor laws. Uh, there's also so, a curfew issues in some areas. In some in some jurisdictions, there would be curfew issues. But for example, if somebody came to me and said, "Hey, I've got this guy. He's the best L2 judge you've ever met in your entire life. He's amazing, and you should staff him for your Grand Prix, but he's 14," I'm gonna say no. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with how awesome he is. It has to do with the fact that I may not legally be able to staff this person. That's a reason or reason not to. Right. The the other the other thing about there there is a hurdle to become to overcome in becoming a judge when you are very very young. Um, we we want now this is not to say that you can't do it, but it's harder and more rare. Um, but. We want we want judges to have a certain a certain level of authority. We want you to be a, a, an authority figure, um, and we want you to be able to relate to the players, and we want you to be able to handle unruly players. And uh, uh, that is harder the younger you are. Uh, being able to take that, like if you if you are if you are um, bullied by your players into making rulings. Okay. That is not something that is uniquely based on your age. However, it is more likely to happen if you are younger. So those are, those are things that we, we would take into consideration. Those are behaviors that you would need to overcome in order to be tested for, for level one. So it's, it's not, I'm not saying that it's like, no, you're too young, but odds are because of your age, you will not have, the presence to control certain situations or deal with players in the manner in which they need to be dealt with. What, he, what he's basically saying is, although in your local magic club, you people know you and will probably respect you as the guy who knows the rules. If you were to go to, say, an, a Star City Games Open, and, and I don't know how old the gentleman writing is, but if you were to go to a Star City Games Open and someone perceives that you're a younger individual, it may be harder for them to take you seriously. Well, I'm just saying, even even at your local, even if your local your local store, you know, you're you you're not taken seriously at your store. Okay, you are going to be a, you are going to have a hard time. You might be the rules guy, but whenever it comes time to give a ruling, the players just ignore you. Okay, yeah, be because awkward. it's just like right. You it's like, eh, what do you know? And then you're just like, uh, I I don't do anything. I can't do anything about that because they're they're older and they just don't listen to me. You know, those those type of problems are more likely the younger that you are. Right. So that is that is a concern that if someone if someone comes to me that is exceptionally young um you know that is that is something that i'm going to pay attention to I, but I mean, i'm gonna pay as i say all of this sounds very discouraging but we don't want to discourage you from becoming a judge if that's what you want to do please pursue it just realize there may be challenges that are unique to the age bracket yep all right great next oscar uh he says my name is oscar oh he gives his age he's 17 <laughs> most i'm reading this one for this word and I'm the secretary for Nordkaren, I guess. I don't know. Johan, Johanna's... It's, it's, got a, it's got an umlau and an A with a circle over Yeah, it. so many. Uh, which translates into the Nerd Society, which is a yes. place where uh, students can come and play board games, mafia, etc. Magic is always present in some way, and I have thoughts on becoming a judge to help foster the community. Uh, I have also been listening to your show for a while now, and it is great. All in caps and then a winky face. Keep the yes. good work up and a smiley face. Oh, I'm swimming in emoticons here. Uh, so he has two questions, and he also says, sorry for the length, it kind of got out of hand. You don't have to read it all, though. I would be happy if you did. If someone says, like... Smiley face. Smiley face. 
close parentheses. If someone says, like, I would be happy if you read this, I almost always have to read it. So that's the secret. That's the secret. So his first question is basically, um, he's gotten a DCI number uh, six months ago, and he's having issues getting it set up um, online. So basically, we're not the ones to contact for that. And I would recommend contacting Wizards Customer Support. Uh, I believe it's wizards.custhelp.com. So wizardscusthelp.com. Uh, there's a little email tab on the top there, and they can all they can always help you out with all these kinds of uh, DCI number issues and so on and so forth. But his next question, uh, it relates back to our M15 show where we talked about Chasm Skulker, who has the ability, uh, whenever you draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Chasm Skulker, and whenever Chasm Skulker dies, put X, one, one, blue squid creature tokens with island walk onto the battlefield where X is the number of plus one, plus one counters on Chasm Skulker. Uh, we talked a little bit about it blocking a say it was a 3-3 and it blocked a 3-3 with wither what would happen uh, his question is so say Nora controls chasm skulker with two plus one plus one counters and then also she has the blue paragon so therefore chasm skulker right now is a 4-4 anna has a 3-3 creature with wither and a 2-2 vanilla creature so anna attacks with both of those creatures what happens if the chasm skulker blocks the 3-3 with wither and the uh, Paragon, who is a 2-2, blocks the 2-2. Uh, the same thing. Uh, mm, well, not exactly no. the same thing. Yeah. Do they get the uh, squids is the ultimate question here. So, so it's going to die and have a certain number of plus one, plus one counters and a certain number of minus one, minus one counters uh, on it. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, the, it's the fact that the Paragon is going to die. Yeah. So the Paragon is pumping it up that last power and toughness. Yeah. So what happens? What happens is when you check state-based actions. Okay. Oh, I see. I see the situation. I misunderstood. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You're right. So, so we've all we've all had this brain meld where we haven't actually fully explained what's going on. So (laughs) go ahead. We'll go ahead. No, I think we're good. Next email. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. No. Go ahead. Okay. So I've got a two two with two plus one plus one counters. So it's now a four four. Uh, or sorry, a one one with a plus one plus one bonus from the Paragon, and then two plus one plus one counters. It's going to get hit by for three. So it's going to get three minus one minus one counters. And it, but it's it's a four four with three minus one minus one counters on it. The Paragon uh, blocked uh, uh, the two two. And it's going to die. So the first thing we do is we check state-based actions. At that time, I have a 4-4 creature with 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters and 3 minus 1 minus 1 counters on it. Okay, it's the damage marked on it. Its its toughness is greater than than 0. So it's going to live. Those counters are going to go poof. Simultaneously, we have a 2-2 Paragon that just bit the farm. Okay, and so state-based actions are going to pick it up and put it in the in, in the graveyard. Okay, it's going to be destroyed. Um, those two things happen simultaneously. Now, what the game does when it does state-based when it checks for state-based actions is it runs through all the state-based actions all over again. Uh, if it if it goes through a state-based of uh, uh, the list of state-based actions and hits any one of them after it does it all, it's going to go through again. So uh, it destroyed counters and bend the paragon. So it did at least one state-based action. So now we're going to check again state-based actions. And at this time, I have my skulk was a two-two, but then the paragon died. Or sorry, it was a it was a 
one one, uh, and then the Paragon died, so it's now a zero zero. So it's going to bite the farm uh, yeah. and go into the and go into the graveyard because it has zero toughness, which is not a destruction effect, and you cannot regenerate through it. Yes. So this in this case, it did not have any plus one plus one counters on it when it died, um, versus the earlier case where it was a three three blocking a three three with wither, uh, where it would have three minus one minus one counters on it and two plus one plus one counters on it. Uh, that that was the situation we discussed in our M15 episode. In that case, you would get a squid tokens because when it died, it had the counters on it. Also, also Oscar, this very weekend, I am doing a seminar on state-based actions, a presentation for a sem- uh, at a judge conference on state-based actions, and I am going to replace my current example that has you going through state-based actions uh, uh, twice with this exact example. Ooh, ooh, because I likes it. Was the first one Hurricane with Abyssal Persecutor? Uh, Platinum well, Angel. Platinum Angel. Yes, 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 yes nailed it. it. <laughs> nailed it. Good. That's, yeah, that's my usual example for that too. <laughs> uh, okay, great. One last email from Zach. So he says he has a question that came up during his uh, his M15 draft. Here's the situation. My opponent has Garrick Apex Predator out. It doesn't matter what he does, and one Beast Token. So the tokens are three three. I have several creatures with one toughness. I want to cast Cone of Flame. So Cone of Flame deals three damage to one target creature, uh, two damage to another target creature, and one damage to a third target creature or player. Sorry, or player on all of those things I just said. I want to cast Cone of Flame to kill the beast and do some damage to to Garrick. I choose my uh, Forged Devil to deal one damage, my opponent for two, which I choose to redirect to Garrick, and the beast for three. Was I wrong in thinking that I couldn't choose the same target for more than one part of Cone? Or choose my opponent for one and two, and Garrick for two. Thanks in advance, Zach. You you were correct. Um, you can't choose to target the same thing twice with Cone of Flame. You have to choose three separate targets. And when you target a Planeswalker with a spell like this, you're actually targeting the player and redirecting the Planeswalker as you describe. So you can't choose the player twice and be like, I'll redirect one part of it to the Planeswalker. That does not work. Yep. All right, that's the last email we're going to talk about. If you want to email us, you can at judgecast at gmail.com. We got a ton between these last two episodes for some reason. Uh, if you want to like us on Facebook, you can at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. All right, gentlemen, you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, actually, yes. So I did oh, okay. something real quick. I did something that I should not have done this last week. Okay. Uh, and I Dear would like ten, to share this story. Dear What's that? Tent house. I never thought it would happen <laughs> to me. <laughs> so I guess I guess this is. Um, I'm going to try and keep this alive as long as I can. This 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 is time for for bad example story time with <laughs> Professor Dunn. Um, <laughs> Excellent. And uh, and so this last week before GP Portland, um, my shoes started to wear out. <laughs> okay. So I bought new shoes for the Grand Prix, which is awesome. Uh, except that I did it the day before the Grand Prix. Oh. And I, I tried to break them in I've done by that. wearing them at the Grand Prix. Yeah, I've done that. And like, that is absolutely awful, and I will never do it again, and my feet don't thank me. So if you're going to buy new shoes for an event, do it, like, several days before and wear them first. Yeah, and I think if you've never done that, I think you don't understand, but it's it's awful. And I bought, like, tuxedo shoes. Like, I bought, like, nice black shiny tuxedo shoes. Tuxedo shoes? Well, aren't you just special? I was trying to be nice, but after that one, I was like, nah, I'm just buying tennis shoes from now on. Black tennis shoes, no more of this. So, yeah, yeah so, so buy shoes, break them in before you use them at events. Yes. 
Okay. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Brian, you want anything? You got anything? You done crazy? No, we got uh we got the conference this upcoming weekend of which uh I am the coordinator for. It's it's the the first time that I've done I've been in this role. Uh we got a lot of great things planned. Uh, we've got 130 people for a non-event-based conference. This yeah. is that's that's a lot of people. I'll be there. Uh, yes, you will. Jess, why aren't you going to be there? Where is it? Tallahassee. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no, no, no! It's this next weekend, right? I'm it not going to be there. I'm not going to be there because I'm going to be at the World Magic Cup Qualifier in Oakland, California. So if oh. you're going to be anywhere near Oakland, if you're going to if you're anywhere near Tallahassee, go to that conference. If you're anywhere near Oakland, come say hi to me. <laughs> Those are two options. That's it. That's it. If you're this somewhere in like Utah, pick one. <laughs> or, or wherever you are that has O's, little little dots over your A's and umlauts over yes. your A's, you're you're kind of out of luck. Um, but yeah, so so it's going to be at Gamescape, which uh, is a store owned by uh, uh, L2 Ben Bloodworth. It is a great store. It is a you're going to love this. It's in a mall. It's a former Old Navy. So it is huge. Oh, wow. Yes. So it's it's also right across from a food court, a mall food court. Okay. So and when be. I say when I say right across from it, I mean, you walk out, there is a row of massage chairs where you can like pay a dollar for minutes in the massage chair. And then on the other side is your Chick-fil-A, your Manchur, your 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 Manchu walk, your Sabaros, your McDonald's, your all that stuff. Oh, man, I'm going to play mono red all the time. Make sure I have time for a massage. <laughs> um so what what i what i did at the uh at the last conference i actually recorded some stuff for judge cast it hasn't been posted there were some problems but there were some parts at the end where i was actually sitting in the massage chair uh, with another judge who I actually paid for him to sit in the chair also. And we were getting massages while I was asking him questions uh. unsuccessfully because I'd be like, so tell me about, <laughs> tell me, tell me about what seminar you liked. You liked the best. And he's like, Oh, I really liked the, uh, hold on the seminar on investigations. So that was amusing. That's funny. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening once again. Uh, we try to keep it face up around here. My name is Cedar Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. Face down for what? I, I'm Brian Fillin. I keep it fun. <laughs> <laughs>